0: He's involved in a number of businesses.
1: He's a great role model. Telling it like it is.
2: Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis.
3: This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. Well, it's, what's today? Wednesday, December 20th. Feels like Friday. 21st. <laughs> the longest day or the low, the longest night. Yes. This is it is the maximum night of darkness on December 20th and the first day of winter.
0: Yep, December 21st.
3: In the studio with us, we have Judge Richard Weinberg. We have uh, Ed Cox and Lydia Serrani. And I'm back from Lighting the
0: Menorah. And we have some...
2: Breaking News, WABC.
0: JustinNews.com confirming that the House GOP locates emails, text messages showing Speaker Pelosi's office directly involved in failed January 6th security. How did she fail? How did she fail? She ignored it over and over again. In mid-December, they got credible information saying that there would be violence that day. And according to security, they were denied over and over and over again for extra security.
4: So Pelosi and her crew knew he was coming and did nothing.
0: Are you saying it's part of the orchestra? I, I, I don't.
1: I President don't. Trump said he, he authorized the calling out of the National Guard for it. And it's up to her or the mayor to call out the. that. And he did something
3: happen to the uh, the guy in charge of the Capitol Police? Yes, that, they, they that, blew him
4: out. They, they Did blew he come suicide no. or something?
0: No, they blew him out. Supposedly, they didn't want to do it due to the optics of having armed officers and National Guardsmen visible to the public. So, so this worked out optics. better?
4: So this worked out so better So this for worked
0: out better. The the sacred home of democracy, we left it completely vulnerable because we didn't want it to look bad.
4: Maybe they knew it was coming and they wanted it to happen?
0: Possibly. Yeah, some
4: other breaking
1: news. And there what were some,
0: F, there were also, you know, FBI agents and God only knows who. We still don't know how many FBI agents were actually working undercover as well. By the way.
1: So why didn't the president react immediately upon hearing? It was not his responsibility. It was his responsibility Speaker to people Pelosi. on the ground, you don't want to give orders. When, when the people who are responsible are right there and could do what they had
4: to do. And the Speaker of the House is responsible for the security for the of the capital. Security of the, capital. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: the other breaking news is that uh, Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, he is meeting with uh, – well, he met with President Biden. and He's holding a press conference as we speak, and he's uh, asking for more money.
3: And, well, he needs to buy more uh, – The patri- He's uh, getting uh, bit- no, patriotism. He's, he needs to buy more Bitcoin so he keeps the price up. <laughs>
1: What he needs is a uh, ACMES, the long range stuff so he can hit stuff in the Crimea, which is where the Russians are now massing their supplies. Well, as uh, Mr. President Zelensky is
0: talking, let's uh, let's go to our first guest. Exactly. We have uh, General Jack Keane is retired, a uh, four star general, former vice chief of staff of the United States Army and Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. He's a national security analyst. Welcome back to Cats at Night, General Jack Keen.
2: I'm uh, delighted to be here with you and your audience, as always.
3: Now, uh, Putin has threatened us that if we uh, give them uh, Patriot missiles, that he is going to get annoyed. Uh, <laughs> it looks like uh, President Biden is giving him missiles.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely something that, that should be done. I mean, it, it's a bit rich, you know, to listen to Putin's comments after we've seen weeks of hundreds of ballistic missiles, rockets, and drones rained down on the civilian population uh, throughout Ukraine to deprive them of heat and water by shutting down uh, the electric grid and also uh, killing as many of them as possible. This system is designed to protect the Ukrainian people from particularly uh, the ballistic missiles and and rockets Uh, which have been so devastating. The Patriot is one of the most sophisticated air defense systems in the world. The Russians also have uh, very good air defense systems. But this system, uh, John, can handle uh, over 100 targets at one time. So the sensors, the radars, and the command and control are really quite sophisticated. And it it, will help the Ukrainians uh, dramatically. It likely will take a few weeks to train them on this. I'm not sure where that will take place. Most of the training has been done in Poland. But as we've seen before, when we give the Ukrainians advanced technology, they are very quick learners, and they get these uh, this advanced equipment into operation. And then, uh, as as we've also seen, they improvise. Uh, they're very imaginative in how they use technology and take completed advantage of all the capabilities that it offers.
1: So, uh, Ed Cox here, General. So how long will it take to put the batteries in place so they're effective?
2: Well, the, the batteries are probably coming out of Europe itself, so they're already there. And uh, the training will take a few weeks, and, and then it's a matter of just driving them uh, to the locations that they, that they want to put them in. And, that, and we'll leave that up to the Ukrainian operational generals on, uh, on where to put the equipment. There's other things that uh, the Ukrainians are seeking, and I'm sure it'll be on President Xi's uh, uh, list uh, when, he, when he speaks to uh, President Biden and his team, and that's the advanced tactical missile system that the Army has that can go almost uh, over 100 miles. Uh, and the, the current system of high is limited to about 50 or 60. And they need more tanks and they need more fighting vehicles and they want some of our some of our advanced drones. They want all of this because they know that they intend to co- continue offensive movement during the winter because the ground is starting to freeze now, and it'll stay that way through February. It starts to thaw sometime in March, and that'll give them an opportunity to retake territory. And by the way, retaking territory really means liberating Ukrainians from... The torture and killing that they're imposing, the raping of women, the migrating and forced uh, expulsion of Ukrainians to Russia, hundreds of thousands, I may add, and tens of thousands of kids. This is about liberating Ukrainians as much as it is about retaking territory.
1: I understand, General, that there was a lend-lease kind of program that was passed by Congress, signed by the president sometime back in May, June. But nothing's been done on it and, uh that basis, uh, without appropriations. Uh, a, there are excess Abrams tanks and others could be shipped over to Ukraine. Uh, do you know anything about yeah. that?
2: Yeah, I'm not certain where that is myself. Uh, it's great that you point, uh, brought that up. I'll ask my people at the Institute for Study of Water to run it to ground. But I, the, we have uh, M1 Abrams tanks. They're very sophisticated, advanced tanks what we've been trying to do is uh, get them the german leopard tanks the german leopard tanks is is a very good tank and uh, it's something the ukrainians would be able to train up on very very quickly the problem is uh, the germans promised a lot of support but haven't really delivered in terms of promising support they're, they're second to the united states in terms of the amount of money but they haven't really got the equipment to them yet and the germans will not let other countries who have, they have sold the leopard tank to uh, send that tank to Ukraine, even though they're willing to do it. So that that's another avenue of approach I hope that uh, President Zelensky brings up with, with our president, because we can use some leverage here to get this uh, advanced equipment. It, so our audience understands there is still opportunity to retake territory inside of Ukraine that Russia occupies by the Ukrainian military. And I know people are talking about negotiations and ceasefire. Zelensky doesn't want any part of that. He, he really wants to retake his territory back and free his people. And, and and the president will get an earful about that today. The other thing that's important is for our audience to understand, as critical as it, as it is for Zelensky to talk to his counterpart, the president of the United States, talking to the Congress is critical as well. Because they control the purse strings. Mm-hmm. And without congressional support, uh, the United States would not be able to deliver the uh, the weapon systems. And that's just the facts of our system. You need the approval of the executive branch as well as the congressional branch to be able to continue the significant support to Ukraine going forward.
0: General Jack Keane speaking of the money, uh, right now Zelensky he's meeting with uh, Biden he's holding a news conference and they're discussing a new 1.85 billion dollar security assistance package that includes those patriot missile system and according to the omnibus bill which could be passed it's expected it to be passed later this week if possible there's another 45 billion allotted to Ukraine so the question on many minds is not the fact that we need to help Ukraine. I mean, we have to stop Putin because this is just a, a it could be like a domino effect. But I think a lot of people are worried about the accounting of this money. How do we make sure that this money is actually going to the right
2: place? Yeah. And that's a great question. And it's something that we, that we should be concerned about. And we've got to get after this, you know, particularly given some of the our, our lousy track record that we had uh with the corruption inside of Afghanistan and the amount of money that we are paying in there on a regular basis. I mean, we have some evidence that uh, clearly things could have been done better. Right now, there are three inspector generals and the government accounting office who are providing oversight. And I know uh, that the Republican Congress, uh, if they're able to convene and elect a, a, a speaker, Uh, They're going to assist on on this uh, kind of accountability. I think that's absolutely the right thing. The American people should have confidence that their money is going right to the Ukrainians and putting these weapons in their hands, and this thing isn't being siphoned off someplace into the black market. Um, And the the absolute day-in, day-out evidence of that by a team that's on the ground is exactly what's going to be needed. So I applaud that effort. It, it's the right thing to do, giving our track record in the past in Afghanistan particularly.
0: Judge Weinberg, you had a question?
4: General Keene, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, sir. I want to ask you about these reports that there's U.S. technology in these Iranian drones that are being delivered to Russia. Do you know anything about that?
2: Yeah, well, I, it, we don't know if it's a fact yet, but... Uh, it, Based on what we do know, it's highly likely this has happened. This is part of the problem we are having with our export controls and licensing, and we've got to get after this. Uh, Not only is it happening uh, in this case, which I certainly was not aware of, and I find that quite alarming, uh, but it's also been happening for a number of years with China, and we've been trying to police that up. Uh, but here we have, again, an, another problem. I mean, we have the most advanced technology in the world. We have very su- okay. sophisticated chips that we're using, semiconductors, and they're, sh- they're, they're showing up all over the world because we haven't been disciplining ourselves with a system that prevents this from falling into adversaries' hands. And I, I suspect it may be true, as disappointing as that is.
1: General Ed Cox, I I know that you have, uh, that your Institute for the Study of War is studying it uh, broader uh, than just the Ukraine. How do you think, what lessons do you think the president of China, Xi, is getting from watching what's going on in Ukraine now?
2: Yeah, sure. That's a great question and and something we spend a lot of time on. Uh, One, he has generals telling him, much as Putin's generals told uh Putin uh that they've got a, a a top-rated military that uh can not only take on Taiwan but can take on the United States and that's what Putin's generals were telling him it was full of hubris and not much basis in fact um the Chinese haven't fought a war since 1979 and that was against uh vietnam and they lost the (laughs) vietnam ran them out of there
1: yeah yeah well Um, president nixon and i met with uh uh, with Deng Xiaoping just after that in 79 said we've taught the vietnamese a lesson and we've pulled back
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah i remember that rhetoric it's interesting you brought that up that's exactly what was said yeah yeah but it's it's very real i think they also learned a lesson that if you're going to do something and you're going to enter into kinetic military operations, then one, make certain your plan isn't too complicated, and two, that you've got overwhelming force, and and don't underestimate your your adversary. The other thing that they're watching very closely is the United States and the level of support that Ukraine is receiving, and uh, what would that portend? for their desire to take Taiwan by force, if necessary, the kind of world support that Taiwan would receive, uh, would it be similar? And, and my judgment is it would be. And also they're looking at the sanctions impact on Russia, uh, which in the long term probably would have more impact on Russia than it would have on China, uh, given given they have a world economy and its interwoven uh with our own and other economies. Not that we couldn't hurt them with sanctions. We certainly could. Uh, but it wouldn't be, uh, have as dramatic effect as it, it would on Russia in the long term. So I think he's looking at it. Uh, the geopolitical issue of support for Taiwan, uh, similar to what's happening in Ukraine, uh, and will the United States and allies stay the course? Will they have the resolve to do this? And then also looking at uh, operationally, uh, what lessons are there to be learned as he thinks about his own military capabilities and the fact that they they really aren't battle-tested, but yet they have a lot of confidence in themselves, particularly given the advanced technology that they have.
0: Well, thank you so much, General Jack Keen, And just to... Uh, tell our audience what Zelensky has been saying. He said in blunt terms during the press conference, quote, we need to survive this winter. This is a survival issue. He says, uh, he also said he wants to win the war together with the United States. And then, uh, putting a finer point, uh, Zelensky says there, quote, can't be any just peace with these inhumans, a word he often uses to describe Russian invaders. So, this, this winter will definitely be, I guess, the turning point for the, for this war that's been going on for 10 months now. Thank you so much, General Jack Keen, and we look forward to speaking with you again, sir.
2: Yeah, happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas.
0: All right, when we come back, we are going to talk to Dr. Peter Mikolos. There is a tridemic going on, right, RSV, flu, and all. Keep it right here, Cats at Night.
5: It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
0: Welcome back to the John Katz Matides Cats at Night Show. On the line with us right now is our resident medical genius, Renaissance man. We usually have you at the end of the show, but you had such important things to say. We wanted to bring you up in the beginning. Dr. Mikolos, tell us how do we stay safe this holiday season? We're having a lot of family members get together, and that's the last thing we need—anybody being sick.
6: Well, the first thing we want to start off with safety is our automotive safety and we want to make sure that we're going to be traveling and that our air pressures on our tires are filled properly and that we have good tires that are not balding on our car and that our coolant level is full and our windshield wipers have fluid and uh, a proper anti-freeze type of washer fluid so we have clear visibility. Sometimes we're driving in the car and we have someone who's concerned about being sick. And sometimes we wear a mask and I discovered a little trick. If you take some Rain-X anti-fog and you wipe it on the back of your glasses, they don't fog up. So that's another little piece of news just for our listeners to enjoy. And the the other thing, of course, is we know that the number of flu cases, RSV and COVID have been climbing because we're going back indoors into the dry environments. If you are sick, Maybe you shouldn't go to the party or stay in another part of the house so you don't get other people sick. Hand-washing is so important. If you're shaking hands and someone has the flu and then you touch your face and eyes, you can get it. Same way you can transmit conjunctivitis. Taking showers frequently during the holidays and sometimes simple things like just some baby shampoo on your hair and keeping your lids, lashes, your face clean is very important. We talked about running a humidifier, taking a vitamin, Never hurts to have a little vitamin C on board in the wintertime. Staying hydrated is so important uh, to prepare. And uh, also, it's time to think about our New Year's resolutions. And part of it should be the annual physical, getting your mammogram, your colonoscopy, your pap smear test, your blood work, because many people during COVID forgot to do that. And that has affected uh, our health as Americans in general, the lack of just our maintenance. And just like our car ne- maintenance, our bodies need maintenance. So these are all just some healthy reminders for our audience out there while you're driving to various places around the country and flying, uh, just keeping safe.
4: Uh, Dr. Miklos, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg, sir. What kind of tips do you give uh, the audience in terms of uh, traveling by plane?
6: Well, if you're traveling by plane and you are in one of the higher risk factors, I think if you're over uh, 65 and you're going to be in a crowded airplane, I mean, it's not a bad idea. You can now getting masks is is easy access to wear an N95 mask if you're a high-risk individual. Another little trick that I do is that, you know, the little air vents above, I actually turn them on and put the little HEPA-filtered air just in front of my head, so it actually creates a force-field barrier of the air coming down in front of my nose, and it actually acts as a physical air barrier for other viruses and bacteria coming towards your your nose. The other thing uh, on the on the plane is obviously wash your hands. Carry around. You can have one of these like wash and dry type napkins. You can clean. Uh, the tray table because they found that when they culture things on plane, guess what the dirtiest place with the most microbes was the tray table. So it's a good thing just to wipe down your tray table before your flight. And, and the
4: blankets uh, aren't uh, secure either, are they?
6: Yeah, the blankets, I'm not as concerned about the inert objects because a lot of these viruses don't really live too well on inert objects. The interesting thing about airplanes is the air is so desiccated and dry. Not too many things. Survive. They keep airplanes desiccated and dry uh, so that there won't be any humidity. Humidity causes rust. Rust causes metal fatigue and structural failure, but it's also the reason why our mucous membranes and our nose are drier, and we tend to get more colds when we fly on planes because of our nose gets drier and also the cooler temperatures. That recent study that showed when, the reason why your mother said don't go outside when you're wet, when, you're, when your nasal cavity and your skull is cooler by 10 degrees, they show that the immune system and mucous membranes in the nostrils and nose don't work as well. So that's something that we now understand that those uh, things that our grandmother used to tell us don't go outside. There's an actual scientific reason that the cooler temperatures in the skull and the head actually make you more susceptible to viral and bacterial infections, which I think is fascinating. And I was happy to finally have an explanation. And now I can say my grandmother was right.
0: Grandma's always right. Mothers are always right. Thank you, Dr. Mikolos, for all of your insight and wisdom as always. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. I'm sure we'll be talking to you maybe even before Christmas. So we shall see.
6: Thank you very much. Stay healthy, all of you.
0: Thank you, sir.
3: I just just texted uh, uh, Lee Zeldin. He's getting on an airplane. And he says uh, he's on his way to Washington to make sure he votes against that crappy omnibus bill.
0: Wow, that, that bill is a, truly a disaster. One point seven trillion. What is omnibus? For those I'm, that don't know, tell okay. us, Judge.
4: Generally, you're supposed to have one bill, one consideration, one vote. An omnibus bill is they pack everything in the kitchen sink into one bill, and they trade off, they give out favors and special deals so everybody votes for it. So yep. It's a way of not being responsible and pa- and getting through a exactly big package.
3: That, when you used to describe uh, a senator
4: getting a bridge to nowhere. That's exactly that's right. It. That's how you get your bricks to Network. So
0: how many lawmakers do you think actually read this bill? It's over 4,000 pages. None. So well, what did Nancy no Pelosi it? used to say? Let's pass the bill so we can find out what's in it. Is that
4: what she was? She did. She, she really Obama, said. said that? Yes. Yes. Obamacare. Yeah. And wow. that worked out that, that really so well. That, that Obamacare was a great so success. There so is,
0: there is some uh, money in there, $410 million for border security for the Middle East. No, yeah, what not about our borders. Middle East. They're protecting the, <laughs> what was it, the, the Middle East borders, the Jordan borders. Right, yeah. right.
4: But Jordan up, alone but real, is getting $150 there's a preclusion. Million. You, can't, you can't make this up. No, there's a preclusion about using the funds in this bill for our southern border. Does that make your eyes bleed and
0: your head explode or what? I, I don't understand. Maybe, Ed Cox, can you explain what this is about? Is I, this normal?
1: I, they also eliminated the R&D tax credit, immediate depreciation of investment equipment and technology. I mean, you that mean is if a, I
0: buy a new airplane,
3: I can't depreciate it over the that, first year? Well,
1: yeah, that's exactly. I mean, you no, know. That's
3: tragedy. That you have to use old I airplane, mean, John. I know, John. Gee, that's you have terrible. have to use old airplane. I can't buy no new airplane.
0: And speaking of depreciation, Trump, his taxes were released. I don't know about you, but it seems to be much to do about nothing. So what? The guy, he worked the tax code. He followed the law. His accountants the followed the, the law. law. They did what they had he, to do. His
3: accountants followed the law and uh, it says if you have depreciation and and you can offset uh income against depreciation you don't have to pay the tax especially I, real estate right
1: john yeah that's accelerated depreciation
0: people yes. always want to blame the person it's like blame the system you have an issue with the tax how we paid the taxes Change and the law if you have
3: a pro- problem
0: that's right reform the tax code well, law i mean cuz i i say this all the time i i I didn't get a. I didn't get a bit. I, what is that? The check, the, the the refund check. I didn't get one, but John did.
7: I got a
3: check.
4: <laughs> okay. well, I want to know. I, I want to you know. know
3: you, you know how the government screwed me? I refused to cash the check. I put it into a a, a frame. A frame. You did, and I you put did. it up. And then so what you happened? You know how they screwed me? They sent you that another one. That's why it transferred
0: me the money. <laughs> You can't make this Let's, stuff let's up.
3: take a break, and we're going to go to Lou Dobbs to see why did the market go up 500 points today.
5: This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
0: Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show in studio with us. We have Ed Cox, Judge Weinberg, John Katzmatidis, and myself, Lydia, on the line with us. We have Eric Goldstein. He is the CEO of UJA Federation of New York, the largest local Jewish philanthropy organization in the world, helping four point five million people each and every single year. Welcome to Cats at Night, Eric Goldstein.
7: Thanks so much, Lydia. How are you?
0: Good, and I know you're a great friend of Rabbi Potasnik as well. And he was telling us about the Shine the Right, the Shine the Light rally. And you also have a lot of non-Jewish people that also participate. Can you tell us about this rally?
7: Sure. Uh, so this happened on uh, Monday evening uh, in Times Square, the heart of New York, where we had thousands of people come out as part of a Shine a Light campaign on anti-Semitism. We do this deliberately over Hanukkah, the holiday of lights, uh, a victory of light over darkness, over oppression, to say that today we have, uh, tragically, a a dramatic rise in anti-Semitism, not only in the country broadly, but very much in our own backyard. And we asked people of all backgrounds to come together to say, this is a challenge we need to confront together. And so we had a lighting of a Hanukkah menorah In Times Square, we had the governor, the attorney general, uh, and a lot. It was not only about solemn speeches. It was also, let's celebrate being proud public Jews at a time where, you know, that is more under attack. So that's the essence, and China Light has programs, hundreds of them across the country uh, during uh, Hanukkah.
4: Eric, it's uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. I have to tell you that – I've been on the board for years ago in the Anti-Defamation League and the Jewish Community Relations Council. And this problem of anti-Semitism, as you know, goes back for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's the most long-standing prejudice. It's an acceptable prejudice. And it's an acceptable prejudice from both the left and the right. So how do you deal with that?
7: Well, first of all, it's thousands and thousands of years, uh, uh, regrettably not, hundreds and hundreds, and I agree. It is very much coming uh, from the left and the right, and we're not going to stop anti-Semitism. It's been around forever, but it sort of ebbs and flows, and now it's flowing in ways that are almost unimaginable from the perspective of only you know four or five years ago, how anti-Semitic Uh, um, rhetoric has become so much normalized in our our country. Uh, And how do you deal with it? First of all, I think we can't, we Jews, can't do it alone. It's clear that uh, people across communities, across backgrounds need to come together. We need to educate uh, people about what are anti-Semitic tropes. We need to educate people about the modern face of anti-Semitism, how it presents. Uh, And we need to go community to community. You know, national strategies are great, but at the end of the day, you need to take influentials uh, in hyper-local communities uh, uh, and bring them together uh, to understand uh, the challenge and figure out strategies uh, uh, to work. Uh, Part of what China Light does uh, is it provides the tools uh, to educate community. I mean, there's a lot of ignorance. There's a lot of people who don't even deliberately uh, engage in anti Semitic tropes, but they're tropes nonetheless. And people need to really be sensitized, like we are to lots of things, about the modern face of anti Semitism and, and not be complacent. Uh, complacence is acceptance. You need to speak up proudly and loudly uh, when you when you hear it.
4: One of the problems, and you know this, you say, well, we're not anti-Semitic. We're not anti-Jewish. We just have problems with uh, Israeli policies. How do you respond to that?
7: So, let's be clear that uh, having criticisms of a government of Israel uh, doesn't make you an anti-Semite. You know, many of us have different administrations over time, uh, Republican or Democrat, where we could have uh, disagreed vehemently with a particular government policy. And that's uh, democracy in action, and that's absolutely right. But to say that Israel doesn't have a right to exist, that a Jewish state uh, is an unacceptable reality – That is anti-Semitism. You know, it's Israel is the Jew of the nations saying that uh, they don't have a right to exist. So criticism is fine, uh, but creating double standards around Israel, condemning its very existence – That is absolute anti-Semitism, and we have to understand it and be uh, also uh, uh, confronting that very, very loudly and very, very openly.
0: Again, we are speaking with Eric Goldstein, the CEO of UJA Federation of New York. Uh, Mr. Goldstein when we're talking about, you know, being pro-Israel or, you know, it seems like it's like almost like the cool thing to do on a lot of college campuses to be anti-Israel, to be anti-Jewish. Zionists need not apply for this club. How do you combat the the, the kind of that kind of rhetoric that's happening at schools all across the country?
7: Yeah, look, uh, campuses are a growing a challenge. I entirely agree And I think there's this false uh, conflation. There's a sense that what's happening in Israel is a racial conflict and a white imperial people is uh, oppressing a people of color. Uh, You know, uh, Jews uh, in Israel, Jews worldwide, uh, are incredibly diverse. uh, uh, And Jews, uh, many, many Jews of color, 850,000 Jews of color, uh, from Israeli communities, you know, in Yemen and Morocco, who were uh, taken from their homes uh, in the wake of the establishment of the State of Israel, thrown out of their countries, and they had to emigrate to Israel and other places. Uh, so the whole notion that this is a racial conflict, this is a, a, a conflict around the pieces of land and around security, but this is not a racial conflict. Uh, and we need to educate again on campus. Uh, nuance is lost in too much of conversation, and we look at everything through the lens of America. But let's understand very clearly what the issues are around in Israel and how they are so different from the challenges in America. Uh, and, and let's not, uh, you know, assume this false intersectionality. But look, a lot of this is too about we need to uh, educate our children, our students. Uh, our communities long before they get to college so that they have the information to uh, calmly express their views about why You know, Israel is like the only democracy in the region uh, and a beacon of light in so many ways. Not to say there aren't challenges and not to say that people can't have, uh, uh, you know, criticisms about this government or that. Uh, That is absolutely fine. But to understand just what the wonder is of Israel and how much good it brings to the region uh, and and the world. I was recently, uh, 10 days ago, in the UAE. Uh, including a meeting with the leader of the UAE, uh, Mohammed bin Zayed, uh, who extolled how important Israel was to the region uh, and how important a partner it was to confront real hatred and fight against Iran and how important regional cooperation is. And I think we need to be sending out those messages more and more.
3: Well, thank you, Eric Goldstein. John katsam here. And thank you for bringing us up to date. And we all fight hard. Uh, last night, uh, myself and, uh, Sydney, uh, uh, uh Rosenberg, uh, lit the uh, menorah on 59th Street. And, God, God bless you and, uh, happy Hanukkah. And you've Hanukkah. been doing that
0: for 20 years now, right? years. And you're the only non-Jewish person. No, Christian? there's a few
3: other non-Jews that do that.
7: <laughs> oh, no. It's uh, the largest menorah in the world. 59 feet. Thank right, you so yeah. much.
3: And, we uh, well, happy Hanukkah and we'll, we'll talk to you again
7: real soon. Thank you, and thank you for all you do and for all your humanitarian support for so many important things. We're grateful.
3: Thank God, you. God bless. And now we have Bert Flickinger. You uh, describe Bert Flickinger. And He's the
0: all- managing director of strategic resource group. He's widely regarded as a top consultant when it comes to retail. The genius of consulting on retail. Yes. That's it. What else is there to say? He was a catalyst and key contributor to (laughs) the We only deal
3: with geniuses in the show. That's right. All right. (laughs) And Bert's
0: at the top of the list. That's it. If there's anybody that knows about retail, it's Bert Bert Flickinger.
3: what the heck is going on? I was with Maria Bartolomo this morning, and she said to me, what the heck is going on with food prices?
5: Uh, Food prices, it's a a long way from uh, mainland China and uh, mainland Russia uh, to America, and uh the Ch- chinese uh, have uh led let a lot of uh diseases affect uh their livestock population most importantly uh uh pigs chicken and uh ultimately affected turkey but also uh the fertilizer prices the, the country of turkey Russia, or turkeys uh turkeys thank you and <laughs> and and also um uh, You've you've got uh, fertilizer prices, where most of the fertilizer comes from Russia, Belarus, and Ukraine going sky high. And, John, it it really gets down to what you've said all along, uh, that inflation uh, starts in the oil patch. And PetroChina and uh, other Chinese energy companies have bought up a lot of the refining capacity, a lot of the production capacity, while we've shut it down in the U.S., And at the same time, we've offshored so much of our business where whether it's uh, prescription drugs or pet food, up to 80 percent of total U.S. supply comes from the People's Republic of China. So we're cannibalizing our own businesses across America uh, to help uh, the communist Chinese and and people in other countries at the expense of, of Americans and North Americans.
4: Bird, right, it's, it's Richard Warburg. Do you see any recognition by the leaders of this country that we've allowed China to dominate the supply chain for pharmaceuticals, for foods, for other supplies and equipment? We're and out of
3: Tylenol. We're out of baby Tylenol, I understand. Baby food. Diapers. President Biden released the uh, strategic supply
0: of uh, Tamiflu. Tamiflu. I didn't even know he had strategic supplies. Why is that? Because I was listening, Bert Flickinger, to the Biden administration. They're saying that there's not a supply issue. It's a demand issue. But all I'm seeing the that's, issue uh, that's is, nonsense. Em- is that's empty pure nonsense. shelves. And then y- they're placing restrictions on how many you can buy of Tylenol. And then if you try to order it off of Amazon, they're hiking up the price to like 20 bucks a bottle. Yeah, but,
4: Bert, right. shouldn't we be dealing with this issue that we're not manufacturing our own products that we need?
0: Oh, that- Judge Weinberg and John
5: and Lydia, you're completely correct. And my number one recommendation is China Inc. by Ted Fishman, New York Times bestsellers, saying how we've outsourced and and sold America uh, to people in China and and other countries, some of whom um, may not be the friends of this administration and the friends of, of the people of this country. And most importantly, is uh, we crush retail jobs and and we crush the economy. The uh, judges, uh, Weinberg's key point, were uh, taking away 50 to 60 percent of the uh, income base and property taxes and sales taxes that support uh, public schools, uh, from pre-K to uh, community colleges to state colleges and universities. So we're impairing our education. We're impairing our economy. We're impairing our health, especially Lydia, John, and, and Judge, to your great points. Uh, and ultimately, uh, we're hurting our, our sons and grandchildren and, and citizens and, and people in the U.S., whether newly arrived or uh, first or, or more generations. Everybody's paying a really painful price. And Judge, your. So right that we should on, onshore everything uh, from prescription drugs, uh, key products, and everything from uh, pet food to the time when Sam, Sam Walton uh, outsourced everything for a fraction of a penny from socks uh, to T-shirts to, t- uh, to, to bicycles to toasters. And we need to make everything in, right. in the U.S. and with technology we can't.
4: Is it, Bert, do you think it's a good idea that we're allowing China to buy up our farmland here in the United States? It's a
5: joke. Unbelievable. Uh, Judge, you're raising a, a, another really key issue with, with farmland. The, Ch- the Chinese, to your important points, have already bought up a lot of the uh, farmland in neighboring countries we in Asia, across Sub Saharan Africa, and we should not allow it because we're hurting our food supply. Which is and the they're using Chinese money? U- yeah, I, and and it's the last major U.S. industry that's still supplying the U.S.
0: is the U.S. farmers. As long as they're not using cryptocurrency, I guess, right? No, no, no. <laughs> this, this,
3: this, the, a lot of the prime ministers have to invest more in, in the cryptocurrency into Bitcoin so they can get the, get the price up.
0: Oh, I see. But, but that's
5: why that's why John's inter- interviews on. Uh, the CATS roundtable on Sunday morning is so important with great guests like, uh, uh, Joni Ernst and Chuck Grassley and, uh, talking to people, uh, from the agricultural regions of, of this country to, uh, John, Lydian and, and Judge's key points, uh, that we have to protect the farmers. We have to protect the food supply and every, everything from seeds to water to land to fertilizer. And we can't sell them to foreign powers who, who, who can, uh, ult- ultimately, uh, consider uh, business blackmail against the uh, U.S. and North American people.
3: Well, Bert Fleckinger, thank you so much. And uh, I hope to see you before Christmas. I can wish you Merry Christmas in person. And, yeah, uh, yeah
5: very, very much. And, and hope uh, Margo's back, ceiling And uh, God bless Bernie McGurk and his family and everything, you and your team with mm-hmm. uh, Lydia and Judge Weinberg. And Everybody we got a beautiful note from Carol
3: McGurk, and uh, Margot got a beautiful note from her, and uh, I, I I hope she's doing well. Mm. Yes. Uh, let's take a
0: break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about how the United States could save 50 million gallons of oil per day just by using our own fuel. Hmm, interesting. We'll be right back. Keep it here. Cats at Night.
5: Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
0: Welcome back to the John Katz Matides Cats at Night Show in studio. Ed Cox, Judge Weinberg, John Katz Matides, and myself, Lydia, on the line with us right now is Ambassador Lee Rizzuto. Welcome to Cats at Night, Ambassador.
8: Uh, good evening,
0: and uh, hello to everyone. Uh, tell us, so, uh, 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 you know, you,
3: you spoke to my sister Matt Wanning, and uh, you tell him you have uh, uh, some important uh, uh, information. And uh, did you write a new book, or let me say? On my notes. Tell tell us about what what you want to talk about.
8: Well, I I did some research, and I I thought it was very pertinent with everything going on in the the media today, in in the policies of Washington and what's happening around the world. Uh, Just to back up a a minute, my background prior to serving as a U.S. Consul General uh, for the uh, prior administration well, my background is business, and particularly I was a product and solution-oriented individual, being part of a company producing over 100 million clients a year. So I spent my lifetime doing that, and I, I think that the background is, is relevant. So I, I had this uh, hunch in respect to all the, the rhetoric being – Talked about with electric cars and well, right uh, now
3: they they've adjusted down on electric cars. They, they used to say we're going to by twenty thirty we're going to have all electric cars, and now they're down to maybe ten percent to forty percent. What say you?
8: So, so my, my point is, regardless how many electric cars there are, and, and the the people's positions on electric cars, I wanted to talk more about the pollution that's being caused by the container ships and the oil tanker ships that are uh, 90,000 of them floating around the world and coming into our ports each and every day. So if you took all the cars in the world, which is estimated to be about 760 million cars, the amount of pollution that's created from those cars is less than 10 percent the total pollution caused by the 90,000 ships that are sailing and polluting our oceans. And not only is it only uh, 10% of what the cars equal, the, the, the sulfur oxides that are put out by the car, if you took the total cars and the sulfur oxides, it's about 78,000 tons. So what,
3: what do you, what's worse for the environment, gas cars or electric cars?
8: Well, I, I think that's to be debated, and I, I believe there's uh, there's an existence for both. I, I don't feel that we should throw in the towel uh, on one so we can have the other. But the, the focus of pollution is, should be the regulation of, of, of the tanker ships and the amount of pollution the, these ships are putting out. There's a ship being built in Korea— that uh, the the uh, pollution would be equal to fifty million cars. One ship. One ship, so,
1: fifty million cars. So what do you what do you do about this? That Cox uh, ambassador. So the pollution from uh, tankers is ten times the pollution from all the cars in the world. How are you going to solve the problem with tankers then?
8: Well, you know, here here let me let me run you through some simple math that I did, and my numbers. A pulled off uh, of research that I did online. So even if my numbers are off a little bit, they're so significant. Even if you cut them in half, they're mind blowing. So let, let me run through uh, some simple math for, for you and your audience. So, just well, we,
3: well, we my... got we got a problem. We're on a time constraint. You have to be able okay. to say the next sixty seconds.
8: Okay. So, a tanker ship coming from Saudi Arabia, which is sixty five hundred nautical miles. Traveling at an average speed of 17 miles takes 380 hours. That's burning over a million gallons of fuel one way. And based on the 8.5 million barrels a day the U.S. consumed the last year, that equates to 50 ships per day or 50 million gallons of fuel to, br- to bring the, the oil to us. We have the oil in our own ground and it's saying – would create a pollution but meanwhile yep. completely destroying the ocean so and, in other and, words the yep. amount of,
3: if we if we had the crude oil in north america instead of shipping it over from the from the far east we could save a zillion gallons of go. oil from transporting it uh, just in transportation alone is that correct you, you, that's correct. And, and you
8: would save the pollution okay. as well.
0: We got it done within a minute. Thank you so much. <laughs> that, that music yeah, means definitely. it's the end of the show, Ambassador. Thank you so thank much, you Ambassador. So much. Thank Bingo. you, Ambassador.
3: And okay. uh, I tell you, the longest day, no, the longest night tonight. Right. My Did you get God. all your Christmas sure say, shopping done, night. John? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> but I want to thank all our listeners tonight. The longest night. And... Uh, And thank you, Ed Cox. Thank you, Judge Weinberg, Lydia Serrani. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American American way. way. God bless America. Thank you.
5: It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.